Welcome to Smart Cleaning School. Are you ready to reshape your mindset and grow your cleaning business? Step into today's class with your guide, Ken Carfagno, so you can win for your family. Welcome back to the Smart Cleaning School podcast, helping cleaning professionals make the impact that they were meant to make. I met a young lady named Brittany Holter on a Zoom call in December of 2022. Brittany has many roles. She's a military wife, a mom, a full-time student, and a new cleaning business owner. She lives in the Baltimore area, and she is growing fast. But she started to struggle with the good problem of too much work. Her niche is an Airbnb. Brittany reached out to me by booking a free coaching call on my website after being a very avid Smart Cleaning School podcast listener. So shout out to Brittany. Thank you so much for listening. And shout out to anyone else out there. Yes, I'm talking to you. You've been listening to this show every day while you clean houses or offices at night. And you don't think that I know who you are? Well, I do. I used to be you. And I would love it for you. Yes, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Email me. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Anyway, back to where I was in this podcast episode. The conversation I had with Brittany was far and wide-reaching, and I certainly asked her permission to record just in case we talked about anything that could help other listeners like herself. Brittany agreed, and we did. There were three topics that we touched on that I wanted to share in one episode. They are how to deal with hazardous material or hazmat, scaling, and the do's and don'ts with 1099 subcontractors. Ooh, this is a big one. I have included a clip from our hour-long free coaching call to give you the highlights. I'm going to play that clip now, and then I'll give some closing comments and notes for the conversation I had with Brittany. Here you go. Thanks so much for reaching out. I mean, tell me about yourself, Brittany. Like, how... What do you what do you do? What are you up to? Um, how how do you find the podcast and start listening to it? Like, tell me about yourself a little bit. All right. So I am 32 years old. I have two beautiful boys, okay. um, one 11 year old, one uh, 11 month old. And um, I'm currently one semester away from graduating with my bachelor's. Nice. So. Thank you. It's 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 very chaotic right now. And um, I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to reach out to you because, you know, we're over 300 plus episodes and I'm trying to catch up with you. But um, it's it's a lot. And currently where I am, <laughs> it's like, I think I need you directly here with me. Just everyone's different. Right. And I think right. that um. With my journey that I've decided to take, um, I am I'm just so overwhelmed with everything. So I just wanted to let okay. you hear everything um, and just give me your your advice. But now here's the issue you're coming into. Um, there's a whole nother level above and beyond this, and it's biohazards, um, biohazardous waste. Like we currently clean vet hospitals. Our policy is that we don't clean biohazardous waste. And I've been in the industry a long time. I would say 90 plus percent of cleaning companies do not deal with biohazardous waste. We don't clean up blood, vomit, 
drugs, pharmaceuticals, anything that could potentially transmit a virus or disease, that's very dangerous to do. Even, even good nitrile gloves can still, you can still get a transmission of something through blood. Now, okay, a kid scrapes his knee and there's a blood, like a thing on a house floor. It's just a little thing. But if there's like a puddle or like a needles on the table or vomit or in the sheets. Yeah. Or yeah. Anything like that. Then, then that, then that doesn't fall under cleaning that falls under let's biohazard waste and just say, Hey, we, here's what we do. And here's what we don't do. And that's on the policy that you have. If you choose to do it, you may want to look into some extra certifications that gives you hazmat (laughs) through, through ISSA, the house cleaning one, Arxy, Arxy, it's called, I couldn't think of it. Arxy, Arxy. They have um, courses you can take. Uh, one of them's like um, on disinfection and another one is on hazard, hazmat. You could take a course and get certified, which would give you a higher level of qualification. You could say, hey, I'm going to, I want to let you know there's actually three prices. There's basic, there's deep, and there's hazmat. If I walk in, I am a trained and certified hazmat cleaner. Now, if you, I don't want to do this personally, Brittany, but if you choose to, then you can, you can, you can run that up and say the third price is, you know, price one's 200, price two's 400. If I have hazardous materials to clean, there are, there are protocols for that. And you're, and that's going to be $800, something crazy. That's going to say, oh my gosh, they're going to be more proactive to make sure their people that they're renting to do not do that. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to keep getting stuck. You're, you're kind of being a people pleaser where you're, yes. kind of, you're kind of doing whatever it needs to be done and you don't have to. So you either make the choice and this is now going into Airbnb. Everything is done through contract at Airbnb and the property manager. I would go in with a basic agreement. So that's, that's like yes. my, that's how I would answer the question, but I still go backwards when you say you're overwhelmed this type of work that is kind of last minute all the time, it adds overwhelm and stress to a business that doesn't have to have overwhelm and stress. Like, look at what I do yes. now. We have we have almost 20 buildings. I don't solo clean anymore. We have seven. Um, we just hired number six and seven team members that clean part-time for us. We have systems and they they I give I give each part time person like two buildings. Say here here's your keys for building one. Here's your keys for building two. You can clean anytime over the weekend, every weekend from here until whenever, and they can stay there for a year, for two years. I don't have to think about it. They don't have to think about it as long as they're doing a good job. I quality control them because I know what the I know what to to expect over two years. Like. I don't get calls every week. Hey, can you come this Saturday and clean? Can you come this Friday and clean? Like I know it's every Saturday from here until whenever. And that is very peaceful to to have that kind of a business. And it's also easier to hire. Um, I think the model you're going after, the profitability is really good. But I think you may you may want to just second guess that part of it. And I'm not gonna I don't want to tell you what to do. I'm just giving you perspective. I've been around this for a while. Yes. You actually brought up my second question. Um, oh, okay. Um, okay. So with that, um, I started scaling and it, it I wasn't trying to. I, okay. like, like I said, there's a very high demand. And 
you know, I was contacted by multiple property managers, homeowners. Um, there were several that were out of state and needed help, you know, someone basically to take over and watch the house while they were out of state. So with that, I, I then looked to um, potentially hiring people. Um, I have a few friends that actually did this. So I was like, you know, let me start with them and go from there. With the, the people that I brought on with me, I thought that it was best that if I'm doing per project that I'd be paying them per hour. So using that unit as an example, I was getting paid a hundred to do that unit. I got someone to come in they finished the unit in two hours. That's right there. I, that's another one. I started them off at 20 and I think that that was a little too high. I, what are your, I, I don't know. I think that I'm looking at it from my perspective. I don't want to start working for $12 an hour. So I thought 20 was good for them. So either way, I didn't even do the job. I still made 60 bucks, two hours. They made 40 bucks, but speaking to another business owner, they said, that's really, really high. Mm. I, I don't even know where to start when it comes to pay for my employees. This is, <laughs> this is like, okay, there's a can over there. Let's open up this can. And there's a lot in that can. This is a huge problem for solo cleaners. How do you scale? Let, let me, let me paint a picture like this to go from working by yourself to a team functioning as it's supposed to with all proper legal insur insurances and everything is the way it's supposed to be, okay? There is a significant amount of investment, time, and energy to build a system. First of all, I had to delegate out all of my bookkeeping. I had to get payroll on board. I had to get a tax person. I had to a workers' comp. I, had, I hired a coach. I had to get myself set up with like a hiring system. I built core values, a mission statement, a vision statement. Like I was building a company, a brand. I rebranded. I chose an ideal employee. I chose an ideal customer. I went through all of this like mind work to figure it out. And I eventually built a system that could hold a company with a team. Later that year, we added $5,000 per month of revenue and I wasn't cleaning anymore. Okay. I had to add 60,000 in revenue to get back to the 70,000 profit I used to make when I cleaned all by myself, no employees. So it takes a lot of, a lot of energy, a big system to go and create a business that you could actually, it's strong enough to put pieces on top of it. But when you're a solo cleaner, and you do it like every solo cleaner does, I'm going to hire the helper. And you don't do it the right way. You don't have any kind of a system. You just you just frustrate yourself and you burn up your profit and you and you're, you're spin your wheels and you go nowhere. And then you, you add to that an uncertain schedule of Airbnb. That's a dangerous combination with someone that's graduating college and is a mother of two. I look for ways to find peace in the, in my, in the business. That's where I'm at. I don't, Yeah. not only do I not know how, like I try to bring on people, people don't want to work and they don't have the same vision as me. So they're half, I'm not going to say that they're doing half the work. Mm -hmm. They're just getting by. 
and yeah. and it kind of since my name's on it so i read go giver you recommended go giver i read that yeah and it opened up my world to so many things hmm. the thing is not everybody sees my vision and that's kind of the problem because you know one of the things is value like you know you know, the more like the more success the more people you serve and that's kind of in my mindset is like how many people can i get how and but with that i don't have the correct team to back me up so going back to what you're saying i'm so overwhelmed there's no structure the foundation yeah. is not strong yeah. um so i'm like crashing um, a quick little note on the independent contractors, the uh, 1099s. Uh, legally speaking, if you're going to use a subcontractor model, you cannot give them any direction at all. All you can legally do is say, here's a job that has to get cleaned. Go clean it and let me know when it's done. I'll pay you this much money for it. Yeah, the legally speaking, if you give them a uniform, if you give them supplies... They they have to be there to be an independent contractor. They have to actually be a contractor with their own cleaning business, their own insurance, their own supplies, their own customers. You hire them to come do a job, and then now you can you can take a hundred dollars for the job and give them seventy or sixty, and you keep the rest. That is an independent contractor. But the person that says, "Hey, come work with me," you give them a shirt, you give them supplies to use. You give them a, you say anything on how to do the job, legally speaking, that's an employee. And now you're giving, you're putting them on 1099 status when they're an actual W-2. And eventually all the companies that do that, and they you all start off that way, the IRS catches up with you and you can expect some really hefty, hefty fines and payments you're going to be making later when they find out that you were, that you have passed due taxes employment taxes that you never paid because they were considered employees you're going it's a very dangerous place to go when you're doing that so just a heads up uh, you might want to you might want to do some research google w2 versus 1099 you're going to see a whole list of of do's and don'ts and it's going to really open your eyes just that part alone did you enjoy that conversation with Brittany? It was a lot of fun. I've since had a, a follow-up conversation with her and it looks like she's going to be getting started with the Solo Elite membership. So here is a summary of some of the notes that I took after this conversation that I wanted to make sure were communicated well to you, the audience. Hazmat. This is a classification of cleaning that you need special training in PPE before you do. Don't be a people pleaser and agree to clean whatever is left, especially in an Airbnb scenario. Either decide that you don't do hazmat or get the proper training and equipment and charge the specialist prices. You can make a lot more per hour on hazardous materials if you are trained properly to do it. Otherwise, you're losing time and money, and most importantly, you're putting yourself, your health, in jeopardy. That's the future for you and your family. It's not worth it. The next area that we talked about, scaling, W-2s and 1099s, here's my notes. It's hard to scale. That's why so few do it successfully. 
The best ones build strong systems and hire with W-2 employees. They train and trust. I shared a brief summary of my experience with Brittany, which I captured in that clip. The lazy and quick fixers just hire helpers that they call 1099s. They do this and have no idea what that even means. The IRS highly regulates the 1099 subcontractor versus the W-2 employee. They don't want to get shortchanged in taxes. You know this. Many cleaners think they can just hire them, call them subs or 1099s, avoid all the taxes, and treat them like their employees. You can't have it both ways, you know. You either have to hire an employee that you find, employ, insure, pay taxes for, uniform, train, equip, inspect, correct, and so on. Or you have to outsource the work to a third-party, independent contractor that has their own supplies, their own insurance, their own training. They have their own business with their own customers. You are simply outsourcing work to them. Did you notice they are called independent contractors? Not dependent There are so many do's and don'ts that the IRS highly regulates. I put an article in the show notes uh, directly from the IRS, and you can just do a simple Google search or YouTube. You will find all kinds of stuff on how to properly use a subcontractor if you go that direction. I thought I'd add this category as a note. 1099s, do's and don'ts, pros and cons. I'm adding this as a bonus to the call from Brittany. We didn't cover this. I am not the expert here, but I did take courses early on in my cleaning career through the experts at Service Magic, now called Home Advisor. There's some really awesome contractor uh, resources, and I dove into it. I was new, and I learned all about the do's and don'ts of subcontracting, and I decided I am not going to do it because I did the whole, I got three helpers helping me. Do you have insurance? Do you have this? Nope, don't have anything. Good job, Ken. (laughs) That was me, so I relate to you. Even though I took some training, I know the basics, I'll refer you to the expert in subcontracting. Ed Selkow is a friend, and he did a double interview with me on the past, the present, and the future of the cleaning industry. I've linked those episodes in the show notes. They were fantastic. Getting into robots and sensors, it was fun. There was even a story on how cleaning was a part and influenced the Watergate scandal. you got to check that out. It's fascinating. Ed runs the Janitorial Subcontracting Network, Facebook group, and so much more. Ed knows subbing. He has been in the industry for 50 plus years. He's amazing. But here's the basics from Ken. 1099s, do's and don'ts. Do subcontract to a legitimate company that is fully insured and competent to do the work Do charge more for the job so you can afford to sub it. Do issue a 1099 at the end of the year to acknowledge the use of subs in your business. Don't hire a helper and hope to not pay taxes. Don't give them your branded material to wear. Don't give them your supplies. Don't assume they can use your insurance. Don't train them or correct them. These last don'ts can be switched to do's if you hire them as W-2 employees. 
If you knowingly or unknowingly misclassify a worker, the IRS will not only get you for current employment taxes unpaid, they will hit you for the past, present, and future. (laughs) They'll get you for taxes, fees, interest, you name it, penalties. It'll be coming at your ears. (laughs) You don't want that. It's too much trouble. It's not worth it. This can be massive and can wipe you out. There's people that have lost their businesses because of this. Don't hire a subcontractor that is really an employee. That is the message here. Okay, subcontractors, 1099s, pros and cons. Pros first. True subcontractors are more profitable to you as you don't have to pay taxes on the work. They do. You also don't have to pay for supplies and insurance. They do. You can scale across regions and countries with subcontractors. That's hard with employees. You simply find the work and then find businesses that want the work. You keep a percentage and never have to clean. As an aside to the first pro I mentioned, this is so awesome. Imagine the job is a $100 job. You could, in theory charge $200 and sub the job for $100 and you could keep $100. So you could, in theory, still make what the job would have paid you to clean it and sub it out to have someone else to do. Now, there's ethics involved and someone's not going to likely pay $200 for that, but that's just an example of how profitable it can be. Your profit is going to be tied to how good you are at selling a job. Let's look at some cons now. You can't train or direct them. You can't supply them or uniform them. You can't discipline them when they don't show up. And they won't. This was a very short list. I see this all the time in the cleaning Facebook groups. I answer questions about it. If you're out there and you're just saying, well, I'm growing fast. I'm getting myself a helper or I have a helper with me. Whenever you say the word helper, I automatically know you're not paying them as an employee. You don't have all the proper workers' comp and insurances you need. That goes with workers' comp. You know that. There's more than just that. You also have to make sure you're getting your payroll taxes done and you're properly submitting them. And you got all the proper documentation. You have to have their Homeland Security documents filled out. You got to have an employee handbook. There's all kinds of stuff you got to do with an employee. But once you do, you can instruct them to do the job however you want them to do the job because you are the business owner. That's how it works. An employee does what the company asks them to do. A subcontractor is their own company. Do you understand the difference? I was trying to be very simple. This was not meant to be an exhaustive list or the place or the resource to learn about independent contractors. But if this ever comes up and you catch this because you did a Google search on independent contractors or 1099s and cleaning and this podcast showed up, I hope it was at least a starting point for you. I encourage you highly, go look this up on your own. Go talk to your accountant about this because they know the legal IRS classifications and ramifications of how to do this. And if you are directing someone in any way, shape, or form, listen, I know it's expensive to get an employee. You need to get an employee. 
Well, can I, I can't afford it? Go back and listen to my podcast episode called Building Blocks. It's going to hurt a little bit. You're going to go backward from solo cleaning to having a legitimate team that you can scale. But it's worth it because the second time you build a building block, you can triple your income, at least in the business model that I have. Bottom line, if you're a solo cleaner or in the process of scaling, you aren't alone. Don't just assume or do what someone told you would work. Seek a mentor like Brittany did. I'd love to hear from you too. Book a free coaching call with me on the Smart Cleaning School website at www.smartcleaningschool.com. Make sure to check out the many free and paid resources available on the website as well. I look forward to helping you scale properly and restore your peace. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to Smart Cleaning School. Class is dismissed.